Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So we're going to continue today on week week three. Now, <clears throat> there's one thing that that really is impacted in a season of waiting, as I said in the first two weeks, and that is our heart. And while while, while we wait, there's impatience, there's frustration. But the thing that really changes is our heart if we let it. So you, your heart won't change if you don't let your heart change and, and open your heart to God to change, <laughs> change your life. Now, we've really been impacted by this um, lockdown time and, and not in a bad way, in a good way. There's so many good things that God has been busy doing in our church's life, in our life personally. And there's some challenges. Oh, yes, of course. And I think all of us had some challenges in this week um, that was passed. And, uh, and that's fine. You know, God is so in control. Now, um, let me give you a quick recap on what we've done in the first week. Maybe you've missed it. Now, week one, we've looked at, we've looked at Hannah, the story of Hannah. And, um, and she had to wait to see her promise on God. She wanted children. She couldn't have children. But there's three things that was very important that stood out in the story that we share. Firstly, it's, it, we, we asked, who are you walking with in times of waiting? Who are you walking with? We are not called to walk alone. We are called to walk with people. That's why Jesus walked with 12 men, which later became 70, which later became 120, that he discipled, he poured his life into, and because he didn't want to walk alone. It is not God's way to walk alone. We are called to walk together to help us through times of frustration. Number two, it is not until she poured out her heart before God when God started, started to shift or to show her promise in her life. And then number three, we looked at her amazing response when God provided her, her child. She gave back to the Lord. It's such an incredible sermon. Now week two, we looked at the story of Abraham and Sarah. Now, I really enjoyed that sermon. It was so much um, depth in the sermon. It spoke to me personally so much. Firstly, well, the sermon was about we looked at what we act on in a time of waiting. What we act on on a time of waiting. Sarah acted on doubt, on the doubt she felt. And then she struggled through that seasons of waiting in her life. You see, she never doubted in God's ability to come through and to provide the promise. But she doubted in her own ability for God to work through her. And so many of us struggle through that. And I hope God worked in your heart this week as you meditate on, and meditated on that, on that sermon. And, and that you opened your life and said, Lord, how, no matter how much I feel inadequate, I know you are a God of the impossible that can work through my life and do amazing things. Now, we also looked at Abraham who showed his faith in the toughest tests that he had. When he had to sacrifice his promise, his son Isaac. But Abraham acted in faith as, well, as he was waiting on God for that breakthrough in that moment. It must have been an incredible tough time for him to, be, to, to sacrifice the thing he's been waiting for 30 years for. Now it's so important to realize in those moments, you remember I said this in the first sermon. It's so important to realize in those moments of waiting, um, in those moments of waiting, aren't moments of God rejecting us. It's not. It is God preparing us for something amazing. 
ex, ex, I mean, especially in times of waiting where we are frustrated, impatient. God is molding and refining our hearts like no other time. Now, God is preparing me and you and us for something amazing. I know there's something amazing is coming in the, in the years to come, in the weeks to come, in the months to come. And everybody is speaking about revival and everybody is preaching about revival. Everybody is prophesying about revival. And I believe we're moving into a season and, 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 and a time of revival. But remember that revival starts in your heart. It starts in your life as God is refining you, as God is working in your heart while you're waiting in this season. So never let, never close your heart in a time like this. Open our hearts to God. That's where revival actually starts. Now my topic today, my topic today is waiting on God is the path to maturity. Waiting on God is your or my path to maturity. Now, Maybe you're asking, Henny, why do I need to be matured? Or why do I need to mature if I'm grown up already? If I'm big, I'm old, I'm, I'm, past, I'm um, past my the biggest part of my life already. But it's important to know that growth, growing in maturity physically is far different from growing in maturity, in maturity spiritually. <laughs> it's a big difference. See, physical maturity comes with age. And we all mature as we grow up and we see our children mature. But spiritual maturity comes at an age through test, has come at any age through test and trial. So when we embrace testing and trials in our lives, we mature spiritually of how we trust in God and how we stand in faith. So never let a test and trial gone past without learning and growing to that next level of maturity. I always remind myself when I go through testing and trial, trials of my life. Say, Lord, what am I learning through this? How am I stepping through this trial so that I can mature more for you and be a bigger blessing to others? Now, as God matures us through waiting, we grow and we walk through seasons of waiting. And, 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 and you see, He uses us. And, and He used this time to push us closer to our calling and our gifting. Isn't that amazing? Now, as we are going through a huge transition in our lives, right now, we had, we had conversation with, with um, like me and my wife. Or, or let me rephrase. Me and my wife and our family went through a, quite a transition in our lives um, two years ago. And we sat with a mentoring couple and they spoke or they told us a story to help us to understand the transition and the waiting season that we were going through. So they told us a story about, um, about an eagle who built a nest. Now, I maybe have told some of you this story before, but it's, it's, it was such a profound moment in my life. So the, when an eagle builds a nest, she gathers all the strongest sticks and they go to the highest, highest point because eagles can fly very high. And they built this nest on the highest place they can find with strong sticks and, and, and to build a strong structure. But then what they do is they, they find all the soft things like feathers and skin of the animals they ate and they lay this nest out to be as soft as possible for the eggs to, to be hatched and to grow. And, and all through the time as, as the, the chicks get born and they grow and they grow and they get to a place or the, a, a level of maturity in their life where they can actually now almost fly. What the mother does is actually quite amazing. She starts plucking out all the soft things in the nest, like the feathers and the soft fur 
of animals and what should we say she laid the nest with so that the nest gets so uncomfortable that the chicks have to jump out and fly now the amazing thing is if the chicks doesn't jump out and fly the mother kicks them out because she knows that it is more dangerous for them to stay in the nest than to risk everything and try to fly because they will die in the nest and this is sometimes the same with God and with us sometimes he brings trials and tests and waiting seasons in our lives to push us out of the nest so that we can start flying so that we can come closer to the edge and trust him and mature to that level of of going to the next growth in our life isn't that amazing now all of us have gone through that you've gone through testing and trials and waiting season in your life and every time you come through it you actually grow to a next level of maturity now this birds this eagles will not be a, a true eagle called as an eagle if it stays in a nest it has to jump out and fly and soar on the wind which God has called it to be now it's important the mother eagle don't reject <laughs> her chicks if she if she kicks them out of the nest <clears throat> she actually prepares them for what they are called to see she pushed them to maturity she pushed them to a level of maturity and sometimes we need to be pushed to maturity so we can grow in God now if you remember our core scripture for this series is Psalm 27 now, I want you to grab your Bibles and we're going to read the word today again and um, most of the the scriptures are out of the new living translation but our core scripture is out of the new king james version so whatever bible you have you can turn your bibles with me this morning so keep your bible on your lap and we're going to turn and and page and go through some amazing stories this morning so psalm 27 verse 13 to 14 i want to invite you to go there again maybe you've got a note there or a marker there as we've been reading through that so it's a it's a it's a psalm written by King David and um, before he was a king and he was going through quite a tough time and it says the following if you turn your Bibles there I'm reading out of the New King James Version it says I would have lost heart unless I have believed I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and I love that he speaks about the land of the living he says while I am alive I will see the goodness of God while I'm alive I would not miss this but then verse 14 I love this and we're going to speak more about verse 14 this morning he says wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart wait I say on the Lord isn't that a great scripture now last week we started with verse 13 we spoke about a heart that is uh, that is discouraged and and, and dejected um, but we're going to look at verse 14 today and it says the following it says wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart isn't that a beautiful scripture where David come and he says don't worry be of good courage God will strengthen your heart as you go through a time of waiting as you go through a time of testing a time of trial in your life now today I want to I want to speak about the writer of this psalm David King David or before he was king and after he was king now David was one of the most amazing men in the Bible I love King David I love the story I've been reading it so much and there's so much in his story to learn from 
Now, David was called a man after God's own heart. And we all know that. But one of the reasons that he was called a man after God's own heart, because he was a man of humility through every season of waiting for God's promise in his life. He had humility in his life to a tremendous degree. Humility in times of offense. Humility in times when, when he didn't have to be humble. But he was humble to a different degree than we know. And we all have to live according or, or strive to, to that place of humility that David had. Now David knew the power of waiting on God. He knew it. He, he went through some serious waiting seasons in his life. Now if I remember for the, from the two first two sermons, if you remember, this psalm that he wrote was not written in an easy time in his life. It was one of the toughest times in his life that he written Psalm 27. And still he ends the psalm and says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. God will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord, I say. And he still came and he said this. And I said, while I'm still living, I will see God's goodness. Now, the word wait in verse 14. If you go back there, it says the word wait in the first part of verse 14 and in the last part of verse 14. He says wait. Now, this word wait, this word wait was translated from the Hebrew word kava. Kava, and it means to bind together. Now, if you, if you look at it like that, it is actually, it shows us a bit different. Let's read it again. It says, bind yourself together with the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Bind yourself together with him, I say to, the, to our Lord. Isn't that amazing to look at it from that view? See, when, when, when we bind something together, two things share everything so when i take two pieces of clay if you've got children and i push a, a white and a black piece of clay together and i mold it together they share each other's attributes you can't separate it again so when we wait on god we bind ourselves together with him and when we bind ourselves together with god he will replace your strength with his strength because sometimes we just feel our strength can only go so far. Lord, I am just strong enough for this. But God says, if you bind yourself together with me, if you wait on me in this season, my strength will become your strength. So maybe you're going through a tough time in the last couple of weeks and you just feel, Lord, I don't have any strength left. God says, the weak will say I am strong. Because when you bind yourself together with the Holy Spirit, with God, his strength will become your strength. I hope that encourages you today. Now, if you go back to the eagle I just spoke about. When an eagle soars on the current, soar, when he saw on the currents of the wind without flapping his wings, it is amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But he flies on the wind, not on his own strength. He doesn't flap his wings to stay up there. He just keeps his wings straight up. Or, st or straight horizontal and he just glides and soars on this wind. There is no effort. There is no work. There is no performance. Now, Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord, you know, all know it, will, will rise up with wings like eagles. Those who bind themselves together. It's the same context. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength as they rise up with wings like eagles. You see, when we move on the flow of the Holy Spirit and not our own effort, it comes from binding ourselves, waiting on God in that moment. See, that's why those who wait on the Lord can perform 
or can outperform others with more talent and who is stronger than them and they are, 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 are basically looking at their own ability when we just trusting God's ability to become part of us. And that's why we can sometimes outperform people without the ability and the talent. And that's why it's so amazing to trust God for Him to be our strength when we bind ourselves together, when we wait on Him in the seasons. Now David had this revelation. He had it. David knew the forgiveness, the character, the peace, the goodness of God. He just knew it. And I think that was because David knew God so, so intimately from a place of intimacy where he, 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 he met God in the field without, without any religion, without any other thing. He, he started knowing God and he knew. And that was why he was called a man after God's own heart. Now, I want to look at the life of David. And, and there was three seasons of waiting in his life. Um, where God shaped his life tremendously. It was seasons of maturity. I want to look at those three today. And, uh, and you can page your Bible with me. So I want you to go to 1 Samuel. It's a story of, uh, of David. And we read about David for the first time in, in the book of 1 Samuel and, and, and chapter 16. It's, it's the first time it speaks about David um, in that chapter. So turn with me to, uh, in your Bible to 1 Samuel 16 verse 11 2.13. We're going to start reading there. Now, let me just backtrack. As you, as you page your Bible to 1 Samuel, at that moment in Israel, king, the king and the country was Saul. The people wanted a king. God said, okay, uh, you don't need a king, but I'll give you a king if you want one. And he showed, uh, showed um, the prophet Samuel Saul and he anointed Saul. And then we know that the whole story went south. And we realized that Saul was a godly man starting out and he started becoming an ungodly man not trusting God not being obedient to God's call in his life and and God said to Samuel go and anoint a new king I'll show you where to go and Samuel went to Bethlehem uh, where Jesus was born later on and uh, he says there's a man called Jesse and he's got sons one of his sons is the next king so we're going to pick it up from verse 11 1 Samuel 16 verse 11. Now I'm reading from a New Living Translation. It says, Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still, um, uh, he's speaking to Jesse. Then he says, There is still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he is out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down or, uh, to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent, to, sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil. Just think of it, all the brothers waiting, who's going to be the king? And nobody is. And then they let the boy comes from the field, the, 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 the dirty, um, rough looking, still handsome, as the Bible said, sheep herder or goat herder. And the, he comes in and in front of his, all his brothers, the prophet of the nation anoints him. And then he says, I love this, the last verse. He says, um, Samuel took the flask of oil uh, he had brought and anointed David with the oil. Then he said, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that amazing? Not that David had, didn't have God's spirit on him. But I think... There was a different mantle of authority who came on David that day as he was anointed. Now, that, the most, 
most uh, Bibles say that David was about 15, between 15 and 17 years old at that stage when he was anointed as king. He was a young boy. He was the youngest of Jesse's sons. Now, David was the shepherd of the family and he stayed in the field most days and most nights as they were, the, the, the herd were grazing all around um, the farm and the country they were living in. But I can just imagine that that, that that were the place in the field where David wrote all his songs. He wrote all his psalms. And that was the place where he spent his time alone with God. He was just, I think he just found a place of intimacy with God like no one else. See, he met God intimately without religion, without law, without church. He just was in the field with his harp and God and God's presence. Now, it was weird when Samuel actually said to Jesse to get all his son, Jesse. Jesse only, only called his sons except David. He left David in the field. Now, it was weird, quite weird when the, when the great prophet Samuel, the judge, the ruler of Israel um, that, that anoints kings, comes over to your house. You call all your family, all your sons. But he didn't call David. And it was quite weird. Now, now, there can be two reasons why he didn't call David. Number one was because David was the youngest. And usually when something like this happened, the oldest son usually is anointed to carry the, um, the, the authority for the family. But not in this case. The other option was that Jesse didn't want the prophet to know about David. He didn't want Samuel to know about a son he was maybe hiding. Now, if you read through the Psalms, we, we actually read in Psalm 51 that David says the following. In Psalm 51, he says, It was in sin that my mother conceived me. It was in sin that my mother conceived me. Now, if you look at a lot of theological scholars, they say that Jesse was trying to keep David a secret. That Samuel couldn't know about David because of maybe an adulterous, adulterous relationship he or his wife had. And David was, um, some Bibles call it a bastard child or an illegitimate child out of wedlock. And he wanted to hide him because of shame. Now because of his parents' bad decisions, <laughs> because of his parents' bad decisions, David had to wait in the field and be isolated. To be hidden away from society. And that's maybe one of the reasons why his father left him in the field. Not because he was the youngest. Maybe it was. But the scripture is not clear on that. But it was there that David had a heart and a passion. That, were, that grew in passion for God. And he was deeply impacted by the presence and the intimacy with the father. You see sometimes God takes the worst situation in our lives. God is not worried about your DNA or, or, your, or the way you were birthed. God has a calling for our lives no matter what. Like David had a calling on his life no matter if he was a legitimate child or not. God had a calling in his life. And in that place of isolation, in that place of waiting, God met him supernaturally. Now, now number two is, number one was, Sorry, I'll say he had three seasons. The first season was his time as a shepherd and a son. He 
His time as a shepherd and a son. He was a shepherd and he was the son of his God, of, of, of his father Jesse. He got anointed. And the second season that he had was a season, was a time of being a warrior and a refugee. The second season of waiting. Now, we all know that after David killed Goliath, <laughs> and we all know that story. And I wish I could speak more about that, but it won't fit into this sermon. But as David killed Goliath, his life made an abrupt turn from nobody, a guy in a, in a field alone with God, to a very famous commander of, of the armies of Israel. You see, when he killed Goliath, Saul made him commander of the armies of Israel and gave him his daughter. That was the prize given to a guy or the soldier who could kill Goliath. Now, they sang songs about David. And, they, and, and that songs, they said David would, Saul would kill his thousands and David would kill his ten thousands. And the songs went on. And, and every time Saul heard the songs, he became jealous and angry and he wanted to kill David. You could clearly see that God's spirit was not on Saul anymore. Now until a point where David had to flee Saul, he became so aggressive that he wanted to kill David, that David had to flee and he became a refugee in the country, fleeing all around, away from Saul, not to kill him. Now it wasn't this time that, that, that David went into hiding, but not alone. The scripture actually said in, 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 in 2 Samuel, or in 1 Samuel, um, later on in chapters 20, it says that, that all the, the thieves and dejected people in Israel, all the, all the losers, if you can actually say that, came and sought David out. And he built actually a, a, quite an army of mighty men. He discipled those men into mighty men as he just invested into their lives. You see, you can't do this alone in your waiting season. You can't be alone in your waiting season. David was not alone. He had men around him who became mighty men. Four of his mighty men killed the other four giants that was Goliath's brothers. He trained them up to such a degree, discipled them to such a degree in that waiting season that they killed the giants at the later stage of, them, of their lives. They were mighty men. If you read that in a, um, 1 Samuel, it is amazing to see their feats. Now, now David went into hiding, but, but still David was wandering around in the wilderness waiting to take the throne. He, remember, he was anointed by God to be the king of Israel. But he was waiting. He didn't take his mighty men and attacked Israel and took Saul out. No, he waited. He waited on God. Now, now, there was two amazing things that happened in this season of David being a warrior and a refugee and, and fleeing and, and wandering around. There was two amazing things that happened that we can take for our lives today. Number one, David had two opportunities in this season to fast forward God's promise in his life. Do you know that? He had two, two, two opportunities. The first opportunity, we're not going to go there, but it was in 1 Samuel, I think, 20 or 24, 25, um, 24. David and his men was hiding in the cave of Abdullam. In the cave of, and, and then Saul and his men were looking for David. And Saul came into the cave, the Bible said, to relieve himself. And there was David and his men. And as Saul was, was there, David cut off a piece of his robe. As a token, as I could have killed you. Afterwards, David felt so bad that he did it that he had to. He repented with his men. He had so much honor for God's anointed, 
for God's king, Saul. Although God is anointing him already, then the second time that happened is that, that David and his armor bearer went into the camp of Saul and his men. They all were fast asleep. And they walked all through the camp, through all the sleeping men, and they stood right next to Saul. And this is what happened. If you turn your Bible to 1 Samuel 26, just go on a couple of uh, chapters. 1 Samuel 26, verse 8 to 11. Look what Saul's armor bearer, right there, while they were standing next to Saul, his spear was stuck next to his head into the ground. As, as he, Sometimes they wake up and they can grab their spear. So he had the spear in his hand and he could kill Saul right there. And look what his armor bearer said. 1 Samuel 26 verse 8 to 11. It says, God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time. Abishai whispered to David. It was his armor bearer. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't. I won't need to strike twice. <laughs> no, David said, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday. Or, or he will die at old age or in battle. But the Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. Man, David were trusting God in the process to his promise. In, his, in the process to his promise. Now, I love this. David showed humility like no one else. And how many of us would grab an opportunity if we had an opportunity to fast forward our promise of God? But see, the life of David showed us that, that from your promise to your palace, there is always a process. Always. And David knew this. He knew that he's stepping out this process as he is trusting God for his promise. You see, we all go from our promise to our palace, but there is always a process. You've heard me say this so many times. And we need to embrace the process of God in our lives. If we don't embrace that process of waiting, we will have no character when we come to the palace. Because it's in times of waiting that God builds our character. And it's men with strong character that can rule a palace. And that's why I always said, Father, build my character through every time, every waiting, every trial, everything in my life. Open my heart so that I can grow stronger, grow more mature, and that you can grow my character so that I can rule the palace where my promise is. Now, <laughs> see, there will always be many times in our lives, many opportunities in our lives where we can fast forward ourselves to God's promise. And you know what I'm talking about. I've been there so many times where I know that, Lord, I can just fast forward this promise right now. I've got this opportunity. I can see it a mile away. A mile away. But it's in that time where we learn from David that says, let us give God the opportunity to, to appoint us or to upgrade us to a next level when it suits Him, not us. Our job is to wait. I wait on God. In that moment. You see David had such a passion to obey God. He had such a passion to obey God. That, that he felt disappointed in himself. For just cutting Saul's robe off. Just a piece of it. Now the second amazing thing. That happened in this season. Was this. And, and, and it happened while he was a warrior. And a refugee for God. And, and, and it happened when all his men. 
wanted to kill him. How many of you were in a place where all your employees or all your friends were coming against you and they were, they, I mean, David was in that situation. The only difference was his men that he rose up, he discipled, they wanted to kill him. Now let's read about it. If you go to chapter 30, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3 to 6. And some of us know the story so well, but listen to what is so amazing about the story. Chapter 30, verse 3 to 6. It says, When David and his men saw the ruins and realized that um, what had happened to their families, they wept until they could not weep no more. <laughs> David's two wives, Abuheim from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. Now, let me just stop here. All their wives were captured. Their children, their wives, and, and they were taken as slaves. And you don't know, they, don't, they didn't know what, what was happening to their wives. They could have been raped. They could have been, I mean, they had no idea. They just wept till they couldn't weep no more. And then it says, David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. Who wouldn't be? And they began to talk of stoning him. I mean, think about the discouragement in someone's heart that they have forced to stone their leader. The men that they followed, the men that they looked up to, they wanted to stone him, kill him for what has happened to their families. But listen to what David did, last scripture, in, in, in verse, sorry, last verse, verse 6. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. He found strength in God. You see, I love David's response in this. Isn't that amazing? I love this response. It said the following. It says, no matter if he was the leader of them all, no matter if he was the commander of Israel that they need to honor. He, I mean, David was a great leader. He had authority. No matter the authority that he could have exercised, he chose to look to, look to God. He chose to go away and sought God's heart and his face. In that moment and that was in that moment where God strengthened him he didn't stand up for himself and as a lawyer do made his point and 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 try to 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 sway his men's minds and 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 he didn't try to sweep them up and say let's go and take our wives no no he didn't do that he immediately turned around and he looked for God's presence in that moment now the scripture says David found his strength in the Lord. Now, the other translation says, the Amplified says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. Did you know that you can encourage yourself in the Lord? When you take the word, when you pray, in your most toughest times, you can encourage yourself. You take scripture, confess it, make declarations of your life and declare the goodness and the promises of God of your life. You can encourage yourself. Now, there's amazing books about about encouraging yourself in the Lord. And if you're interested, let me know. I'll, I can actually send you some of those, which is amazing. Now, during this time of waiting, see, we will face so many distractive moments or, or discouraging moments in our lives. When we wait, when we're in a time of isolation, we will face discouragement. It is one of those things. It's the first thing the enemy brings to us. It will discourage you. It will bring you to a place of of anxiety, di disappointment, depression. It is a, the first attacking line of the enemy. And David knew it. 
if I'm going to get discouraged and stay discouraged now, you might as well defeat me right now. And he immediately sought God's encouragement in that, in that moment. See, most of us has been discouraged over the last eight weeks of this lockdown, or maybe it's longer, I can't remember. <laughs> but discouragement can sink you as a Christian. And as soon as you feel discouraged, you need people around. You need a phone call, you need a Zoom call, you need a message, you need a sermon, you need a scripture in your life to turn you from discouragement to encouragement in God. And God is the God of all encouragement. See, the most empowering thing we can do in times when we wait, when we're frustrated, when we're impatient, when we are discouraged, is to find encouragement in God. And usually the encouragement comes from others or from the Word. Now maybe before the lockdown, you've already been facing a wilderness season in your family, in your job, in your, in your business. But I want to encourage you to open your heart to God in this moment, to find your encouragement with Him. God is not a God who disappoints us. He never disappoints us. And maybe you've been there and you've been through wilderness seasons and you've experienced God's encouragement. Don't let the second or the third or the fourth time of discouragement sink you. Always look for God's encouragement. Now the third thing, or the third season, I want to close with this. The third season David went through as um, uh, while he was waiting was a season and a time as king and as father now we can f now the amazing thing in the first two seasons of waiting in david's life we can see that he waited because of the mistakes of the leaders in his life firstly he had to wait because of the mistake of his father and his mother he had to wait in the field he had to be isolated to be hidden he was the youngest and he had to wait and be isolated and the second season in his life he had to wait because of the mistakes and the sin of king saul and he had to wait till god brought him to his promise now 13 years after david was anointed it wasn't as long as abraham and sarah but he had to wait 13 years to be anointed as the king of israel I mean, think about you receive a promise and you have to wait 13 years while everybody is trying to kill you. You have been fleeing for, for so many years for your life and still holding on to that promise. See, David was truly an example for each and every one of us. Now, if we read through the scriptures, we can see that David was not the best father. <laughs> and in this waiting season of being a king and a father, he was not good at it. He failed so many times with his children. And the third waiting season in his life was not because of anyone's mistake, but it was because of his own mistake, his own disobedience, his own lack of fathering his children. And David, and where we saw the, the, the implications of his mistakes and and the season of waiting was when David had a passion to build God's temple. He wanted to build God's house for people to worship. You know, we all know if you read through the scriptures that David had a passion for God's presence. And the Ark of the Covenant always went with him. But God told him the following through the prophet Nathan. He said, you would not see this temple. But I will build this temple through your son, Solomon. Um, 
And David would die without seeing what he trusted God for so long. Now, what I actually want to get to, and I want to close with this. And In 2 Samuel, if you go to the next book, from 1 Samuel to 2 Samuel, and 2 Samuel 15. Now, David has been ruling. He's been, um, there's an amazing thing about da- uh, David. Sorry, not Daniel. David was as, well, David ruled the, the, the nation of Israel for 40 years. 40 years. I think for, for the first couple of years was just for Judah and then he took Jerusalem back and he ruled the nation of Israel or the countryside. He ruled for, for over 35 years, I think, 36 or 37 years. Now, in the story of 2 Samuel 15, I want you to turn there. And, and, and the reason I want to I wanna end with the scriptures, when me and Salome and the children were in a very tough transitioning phase in our life and God sat with me one morning and he took me to the scripture and all through our waiting season our wilderness season that took about eight months I mean I don't know if you've been in a waiting season but it took us eight months where we were without any income without a job without any church and we know we were called for ministry but for eight months long God said one thing one word he said wait and I was in a place, I remember we were, um, we were, I think we were somewhere at a beach house and we had a breakaway. And, and I sat with God that one morning. I think I shared this before. And I sat with him. I said, Lord, it has been, it's been six months and you haven't said anything but wait. Isn't there any way you can just maybe add two words to the one? <laughs> just say what we are waiting for. Why are we waiting? Can you just speak to me, Father? Because God was silent. How many of you in your waiting season, as God just went silent? So many of us. God just stopped speaking. Or maybe he just say one thing. And he just said one thing to us. Wait. And I said, Father, I need you to speak to me. And God, in that morning, he took me to, to David's life. And I went through this. And he took me to 2 Samuel 15. Where David was was messing up by by raising his children now this was not normal children this was children growing up as princes and princesses in the king in the king's palace and he i mean there were so many things he's um that that we i don't want to go into today but but david actually his son absalom in the story i'm going to lead up to story so as you turn your bible to 2 samuel 15 what happened is david's son absalom were literally rebelling against him and he was turning the whole nation of Israel against David. And and he wanted to kill David and take his throne. Uh, Think about that. Your son wanting to kill you and take your throne. It doesn't sound like great fathering or great mentorship. And this is what happened. A messenger came running to David and he said, he told him that Absalom is on his way to Jerusalem and he just turned the whole kingdom of Israel against David and he's coming to take him out and to take the throne. He need to flee. So David fled. He, take, he took the Ark of the Covenant, all the priests, all his advisors, all his servants and he had 600 soldiers and men from Gath who followed him and all of them fled out of the, out of the, the city of Jerusalem. And this is where I wanted to pick it up. So he fled. And then I want to pick it up at verse 25. 2 Samuel 15 verse 25. If you're there. It said the following. It says. Then the king instructed Zadok to take the ark of. It was the high priest. 
to instruct Zadok to, to take the ark of God back into the city. And then he said, David said, If the Lord sees fit, he will bring me back to see the ark and the tabernacle again. But if he, um, but if he's through with me, then let him do what, what seems best to him. The king also told Zadok the priest, Look, here is my plan. So David had a plan. He said, You and Abihar, or Abihar, um, um, it was his um, advisor, you and Abihar should return quietly to the city with your son Abimas. <laughs> Big names. Abimas and um, Abiathar's son Jonathan. And then he said, I will stop at the shallows of the Jordan River and wait there for a report from you. So this is what happened. David said to, to Zadok, he said, you as the high priest, take the, the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And then he said to his, um, to his high priest, oh, sorry, sorry yeah, to his high priest Zadok and his two sons, um, two sons, he said, you guys go back and take the covenant, take it back and then come report to me whatever God is doing. But I will wait at the shallows of the Jordan for your report, for what God is saying. Now, the amazing thing of that last scripture, I will stop at the shallows of the Jordan River. The shallows of the Jordan means the following. It was the crossing point between the wilderness and the promised land. At that point of the promised land. And God spoke to me that morning so, so clearly. He said, Henny, you guys are standing at the crossing point from your wilderness to your promised land. And I'm telling you to wait on my word. Wait on my report. And, and I want to encourage all of you today. You, maybe some of you are standing, you're still in the wilderness, but you are looking into your promised land. You are looking at your palace. You are looking at, at the promises God has given you, but, but you are not just, you're just not there. And sometimes it is so easy to just walk over into our promised land and, and be there because you can see it, you can taste it, you can smell it. You know, Lord, I'm here. And God says, wait, just be patient. Be patient for my timing. You see, timing in God's kingdom is so important for God to, to, to open that moment, that stage, that platform, that, that, that gifting, that calling, to open that for you without you opening for yourself. Because you can see it. It's like, um, I love that video. There's some YouTube videos. Go and find it. There's a YouTube video of, of a father who has marshmallows and he puts his two-year-old on a chair and in front of the chair table, he puts a marshmallow there. And he said to her, listen, you can have the marshmallow, but you have to wait five minutes. I'm going to go away. And then he put a hidden camera there and he said to her, you, you're not allowed to touch or eat the marshmallow until I'm back. It's like, it was like five or ten minutes. And then he went away and it was so amazing to see that two years old reactions. She saw the marshmallow and then her hand went out and she's like, oh, I'm not allowed to touch it. And then after two minutes, she just grabbed that marshmallow and ate it because she couldn't hold it anymore. It was so funny. But it just, I just realized that's exactly who, how we sometimes react when we see our promise. We see that gift. When we see God is breaking open the thing right in front of us, we just need to take it. But God is sometimes saying, I want you to, to just wait for a more, for 10 minutes more. Wait for a week or two more. 
Just think this through. Pray this through. And God said that I will give you the best that you can have from that. Now, there's so many of us in times that we're standing on the verge of entering in that promised land. And I want, I want to encourage you today that maybe God is telling you to wait. You see, that's when the waiting season becomes tough. <laughs> that's when it really becomes tough. See, we, we can see the promise, we can smell it, but God says, wait. Now, in this moment, when our total trust in God matures us to a next level of maturity, in that moment, in that moment, when we trust God with everything we have, it matures us to a next level. It matures us. It grows our spiritual walk with God. Now, I want to encourage you this morning that, that we need to always trust God in our waiting season, no matter what it takes. No matter, no, no matter if it doesn't make sense to you. So, Lord, it doesn't make sense. I'm standing right in front of this thing. Can I just take it? Can I just walk into my promised land? Now, I want to I encourage you this morning that God is busy with the process of maturity that leads you to your palace within the promise God has for you. Within that promise. And sometimes when we give God opportunity to mature us in that waiting time, in that waiting season, as, as David had to wait for report back, is his son going to come and kill him? Or is there going to be breakthrough in that moment? Now we all know the story that God took Absalom out. Because Absalom was unrighteous. And his promise that he had for, a for David, that he later on in, 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 um, in 2 Samuel 30, he says that my promise for you was to leave a legacy. And that every child you have will sit on the throne. But the temple you wanted to build and waited for, your son will build. And in that moment, sometimes we think we are waiting for a promise from God and God has so much more for us. So much more. God has a bigger legacy for us than we can ever think or dream or think. But sometimes we see it more clear in that waiting season. As we're waiting on that point and that, and that crossing point from the wilderness to the promised land. So I want to pray with you this morning. And I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you feeling that, oh Lord, I'm standing on this crossing point. Maybe all of us, we are feeling that we're standing on this crossing point of lockdown. Can we just go to a next level, to a lower level? Can, can the economy just be open? We feel we can taste it. We can smell it. We can see it. But it's in times where God says, let's honor and trust our leaders. Let's, let's trust God to a degree that we know that He's going to, grow our maturity to a next level he's gonna he's gonna mature us in every situation which is so tough where david in every season of his life had to work through mistakes of people here david had to trust god through his own mistakes and sometimes maybe we make mistakes and we still have to trust god to mature us in that moment and if you see god's grace in that moment in that moment <laughs> Where he'd still made mistakes. God still gave him a legacy. That Jesus was born out of his lineage. So no matter what you're facing this morning. No matter what you think is going to happen. Or how much you fear your life is going to turn out. God is in control.
And as we wait in a season, and, and, and I love our picture for this sermon series where a man sits on a mountain and there's only clouds. He can't see anything. He can just see across the clouds. We can't see the process. Sometimes we can just dream about the palace. And God is taking us there as we wait. So let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you this morning that, that we can learn so much from a waiting season in our lives. We, we know that you mature us to a next level. And sometimes, Father, maturity, to, to become mature in something is not easy. And some of us are struggling through the toughest times of our lives. And Lord, I want to pray for your breakthrough this morning. For whoever is watching this morning. Breakthrough from depression. Breakthrough from discouragement and disappointment. Breakthrough in... In, in moments where we don't, we don't have clarity. And there's some of you here this morning that, 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 that's listening to my voice that you just don't have clarity what to do in this lockdown. You know that this is what the, the country says, this is what the, the leader says, this is what the government, this is what everybody says, but I don't know. And I believe God is saying this morning to you that as you are waiting on that crossing point from the wilderness to the promised land, as you wait on me, as you trust in me, I will show you the clear way through. I will show you the clear way to your promised land, to the palace that I've promised you. And Father, I pray that you bring peace right now in their hearts in that moment. That you will bring clarity where we, do, we don't see clear. clear. We don't experience the right emotions. We just experience fear and discouragement. And Father, I thank you that you will shift something this, this week, even today even, that you will shift today our emotions, our feelings, and that we will get to a place where we will encourage ourselves in you, Father, that you will give us scriptures that encourage us in you, that encourage our hearts, that encourage our minds, that encourage our meditation, what we meditate on. Father, I thank you that, that we will see you do something amazing. And as David said in Psalm 27, that although we feel that we might lose heart, that we will see the goodness of God while we're still alive. And that we will wait on you, Lord God, and we will be encouraged and we will be strengthened as we bind ourselves together with you, Father. So Father, I thank you that, that some of us watching today, that we don't feel close to you. And Father, I pray that you will draw us close to your heart this morning. That we will feel how you bind us together with you, with your heart. And that our weakness becomes, becomes a strength through you. Lord, thank you that you're not rejecting us in this moment. But you're preparing us. You're preparing us for, for something amazing. You're preparing us for that call, that gifting, that promise that you have for us. And Lord, we rather want to be prepared than sit in a palace without character. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.